Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Father, I give you praise, I give you glory. Father, I give you praise and I give you glory. First and foremost, because you love me. You love us. With an unconditional, unbreakable love which overwhelms us every single day. It stands waiting for us to wake up, to receive it, and it ministers to us throughout the day empowering us to do that which is beyond the natural, empowering us to live lives that are a sign and a wonder to all those who see us. And so, Father, we eagerly devote our lives to searching out the height, the depth, the breadth of this love in the hope that one day we may then return to you and say, we love you too. Really, Father God, us saying that we love you is a response to the revelation of your love. It all starts there, doesn't it? And so, Father, on this day, Father's Day, we understand the symbolism, but also the incredible truth that that is, that we can call you Father, that we could dare to call you Father. That above... All else, that is, in my opinion, one of the highest titles that we give you, Father. So help us understand this today, help us understand it more. With everything that's gone before, with everything that's about to happen. In your name we pray, amen. So I started, um, last time if you remember, I, I, my title was Embracing Revival. Unfortunately, I don't have a PowerPoint this time, um, as always. If I don't ever have a PowerPoint, it's been a busy week at work, okay? <laughs> That's just the default setting. So, yes, it was a busy week at work. Uh, different things going on. Um, also, just outside of work, I uh, did Songs of Praise with Lucy Grimble this week. That was incredible. Um, so, yeah, so it's been a busy week, so no PowerPoint, unfortunately. But I hope you can track with me and keep... Um, well, I know you will, because the Holy Spirit is, is better than I am. So... We started looking at embracing revival, okay, and I thankfully now had the license to share things that the Lord was speaking to me back, all the way back from December 2019, okay, and he has called it the Garden Revival. It is a revival that I know is going to, in particular, hit London. Um, I believe it's here. We'll talk about this in a minute. Um, So the title was Embracing Revival. So the title today is Embracing Revival Part 2. Because I was like, Lord, I've got so many notes. And I showed Auntie Abby (laughs) one of my notes for it. And it goes on for years. Literally, it's years worth of just things that he will say to me. He'll say, add this to the Garden Revival note. Add this to the Garden Revival note. So there's a lifetime of sermons that I will one day preach. Um, But he wanted me to to continue on this theme, to not change tack, change direction. And I think it's interesting if you listen back to the recent sermons that have been preached, everyone's speaking on the same things, revival and him being here, his presence, hosting the king. Um, you can go on Spotify, look at 
a Commonwealth podcast, you can see there's a synergy here. Um, despite the fact we only ever talk amongst ourselves to pick a date, which date we're going to share. So it's great to see that the Holy Spirit is bringing together these messages. Now, before I go into the main bulk of the sermon, the Lord wanted me to share just a couple of things, um, just to give you guys a bit of homework, as it were. Um, things that you can study, things that you can look at if you want to hear more about what he's saying about the Garden Revival. The first thing, and I have mentioned this in the previous message, um, were these four chapters, Isaiah 59, 60, 61, 62. Okay, so 59 to 62. Um, you can read them all in one go. You can read them chapter by chapter, whichever way you want to do. But I'll give you the titles that he gave me um, and the perspective within which to read um, these chapters. So Isaiah 59, he said to me, that is the cry of the Father. Okay, 59 is the cry of the Father. That is the chapter within which you have the intercessory cry of heaven, where it says um, he looked and he saw that there was no one in the streets. Okay, it talked about how truth was falling in the streets and he just needed one person to stand in the gap. Okay, and then the scripture says in Isaiah 59 that his own arm worked for himself salvation. Okay, we know talking about Jesus. So Jesus was the answer to the cry of the Father. So in this day and age where the truth is falling in the streets, the Lord would have it that his own arm would work for himself salvation. That takes the pressure of us. Okay? So Isaiah 59, we have this cry of the Father, and this cry goes out over our generation right in the here and the now um, for someone to stand in the gap. Christ is then um, lifted up in this gap, fills the gap, works... Um, salvation on behalf of the Father and we move into Isaiah 60 which is where we have the emerging church why because Isaiah 61 very clearly says arise and shine get up from the um, if you could put it on there get up from the prostrations which life circumstances have kept you in I believe the Amplified says um, and you have this emerging church this church that all of a sudden starts to shine with the brightness of glory okay we'll speak on glory a little bit later okay uh, yeah, rise from the depression and prostration which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine, radiant with the glory of the Lord. So Isaiah 60 is about the emerging church. So whenever you read that, read it in the context of there being an emerging church which begins to inherit all the promises detailed in Isaiah 60. Isaiah 61 goes to be a little bit more nitty-gritty. Okay? We go from looking at the church into looking at the believer themselves. So I call this the manifesto of the believer. Okay, you know when a political party is looking to rise to power, they release their manifesto. They say, this is what we are about. Okay, so Isaiah 61, where does it start? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Okay? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It talks about this anointing coming upon the believer, okay, qualifying us to preach the gospel the good tidings to the meek, the poor, the afflicted. Uh, and then we start to embrace and to engage with this exchange. Okay? This really powerful exchange where beauty is given for ashes. Okay? And then what happens, and I, I think this will be my next sermon next month or whatever. Um, it will be on Isaiah 61. What, what happens is you have this exchange taking place. And only when the exchange is taking place and the people are now made whole, can they be called and planted like oaks of righteousness. Again, that's another sermon for another day. So this is the manifesto of the believer. Every time we read through it, manifesto. And then 62, okay, we end up with the legacy of revival. 
Okay? So this is what happens after revival has hit a nation. And there's a verse, I think it's maybe verse 4, maybe verse 5, um, in the early parts of 62, Isaiah 62, where it speaks on um, the Lord marrying himself to our land. I thought you'd be a bit more excited about that. <laughs> I know I've given you a lot of information so far. Again, this is four or five years worth of stuff. Um, the Lord marries himself to our land. So we have the cry of the Father, I need someone to stand in the gap. His own arm works for himself salvation. The church emerges into this new glory, okay, the power of union. Out of that, the church then begins to administrate the way of the kingdom, that beauty can be exchanged for ashes, that your sadness can be exchanged for gladness, all these things. And then finally, having done that over a season, a, a period of time, it could be 10 years, it could be 50 years, it could be 500 years, the Lord himself has married himself to our land. That's where we're heading out. That's the end of the Garden Revival, it's when the Lord has married himself to our land. So these are the things that I want you to be praying into, or us, we should be praying into. Um, just on a random day, if you don't have anything to pray for, just pick one of these. Literally, it's fine. It's so much fun. Um, I call it scripture surfing with the Holy Spirit. You just, he just takes you on a journey. You end up in you know, Revelation 6, and you're like, oh, how do I get here? On Wednesday, the 13th of May, 2020, all right, the Lord said this, and I wrote this. I actually heard this first from a Bill Johnson sermon. Starving people think that a crust of bread is a meal. Starving people think that a crust of bread is a meal. Don't you just love Bill Johnson's way of making everyone else sound silly? A crust of bread. A crust. Yeah, a small portion. Just a little. The edge. The bit that no one eats. <laughs> and this is what it, it, it prompted this is it's your favourite part oh, take the crust it's a meal it's a format no. um, and this is what I wrote and this is what the Lord had me, had me write and he wanted me to share this particular segment from my big massive note that I mentioned we focus so much of our lives on excess excess money excess friends excess experience everything has to be big and keep getting bigger which is not necessarily wrong. However, every garden, remember we're talking about the garden revival, starts as a seed. Many seeds, sown over time and followed by a period of dark silence before emerging into the brightness of day and fighting for its existence. Okay? So every seed has to be planted. There comes a time of darkness, and then all of a sudden, it emerges into the brightness of day, fighting for its existence. There is no instant oak tree. Okay? CCF, you've been on this journey for 30 odd years. There is no instant oak tree. But can you see the oak tree when examining the seed? Do you believe that the seed has the power to produce an oak tree? No one sows tomatoes thinking they're going to get oranges, do they? No. You believe you're going to get tomatoes. Okay? From that tomato plant. So there's been many seeds sown over time followed by this period of dark silence and then emerging into the brightness of the day. This is where I believe we're at as a church community and, and definitely as a nation. So the question is, can we survive the birthing pains of the Garden Revival? Can we allow it to break forth from its soil and celebrate it even in its early 
messy and formative stages. The problem is, when everyone says revival, you think as big as you can. Maybe you think Benny Hinn, maybe you think camp meetings, maybe you think the great, um, what do they call it, the great awakenings in America. Maybe you've done your study, you've, seen, you've heard about Smith Wigglesworth, you've heard about John G. Lake, you've heard about how whole cities would be um, revolutionised and, and empowered by the Spirit of God as a person would move into it. And you're thinking, right, if we are going to have revival, this is what I need to see. I need to see the whole of Clapham flat out on their faces on the common. Maybe that's what you're looking for. But God wants us to look in these emergent ages, and I know this, Better than I know my name. This is the beginning of the Garden Revival. I know this because I'm now getting people remind me of things I said four or five years ago about this revival. Okay, messaging me and saying, hey, I saw this, I saw this, and I thought back to what you said when you came down to our church two years ago. Do you think this is the Garden Revival? And I'm like, okay, all right. God, you're bringing it together. Okay, I see it. So can we celebrate it, even in the early, messy, informative stages? Some of you probably here got a green finger. You're better in the garden than I am. Trust me, you are. Okay, those early, messy, informative stages when it's just broken through. Can you tend to it? Can we tend to it? Because you don't get an oak tree unless you tend to it in those early stages. Yes, we must. We must honour what God does in our midst. See, this country, the country, has been starved of full-blown Christian ministry for decades. So to them... A crumb will be a full meal. So let us celebrate their early steps, the confusion alongside the fulfillment of their desires. Remember, in the natural, we get hungry by not eating. In the kingdom, we get hungry by eating. So let them eat. Okay? So we've got these formative stages. People will start to come. Things will start to happen, maybe not just here, but across London, across the nation. We'll hear, oh, did you hear about that church in Birmingham? Oh, did you hear about what happened down in Norfolk? Did you hear what happened at David's Tent? All these things will start to happen. And as they do, we have to be those who can celebrate and say, thank you, Jesus, that's a crumb. Whilst we're waiting for the full meal, we'll take the crumb. Because... To the starving outside there, that crumb will be a full meal. And they will feast on it. They will feast on any sort of hope. They will feast on any sort of light. They will feast on any sort of peace. You just give them just a little bit of what you've been walking in for 20 years and they get one day of it and they're like, oh my gosh, I never had a Monday like that in my life. And who are we to turn around and go, yeah, but it's not the, oh, it's not this and it's, it could be more. How about we celebrate them and we come alongside them and we say, yeah, you want a Monday like that? Try Tuesday. And then, and then they mess up and they're out, out of sync on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then they're calling us on Saturday with all these regrets and say, that's fine, let's get back on the horse. Come back to the table. I've still got some more food for you. John 4.23. This is actually now the beginning of today's sermon. <laughs> John 4.23. Most of you probably know this scripture. You can quote it like it's nothing. So this is Jesus, okay, speaking to um, the woman at the well. I believe she was Samaritan. Um, and he's talking about worship, and this is the famous worship in spirit and in truth, okay? The great, you know, scripture that we all have heard quoted or preached on in, in times previous. And it says here, 
A time will come, however, indeed it is already here, when the true genuine worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, reality, for the Father is seeking just such to worship him, such people as these as his worshippers. Okay? Now, I'm not going to talk about worship today, as I think, unless he takes us there. The point I wanted to look at is that first line, because it always bugged me for years. You know, I always have these things that I tell you that bug me for years. I would read it, and I'm like, Jesus, how do you say a time will come, indeed it's here? Did anyone catch that when they read it? He's saying it's coming. No, it's here. So what is it? Is it coming or is it here? See, I would be that person that goes, okay, we'll talk about the worship a bit later. What? So when is it? <laughs> the journey of faith through which we inherit revival, remember I said last time, we do not initiate revival. We inherit revival. Whatever breaks out in this church is a result of hundreds and thousands of hours worth of prayer and sacrifice and worship and pursuit that has gone on. So we can't be the arrogant ones that go, oh, the Lord did it in our time. We're better than previous generations. We ain't going to do that. Okay, that's, and that's, that's direct from the throne. We're not going to be that kind of people. Okay, <clears throat> we are going to know and understand that if it wasn't for, um, I'll just go through worship team, um, the Eskers and Neville Blucks, if it wasn't for all these different people over the past 30 odd years, Ira Jackson, Okay, um, Emmanuel and all these different leaders, wherever they are now, if it wasn't for their journey and their sacrifice, we would not be here now. And we wouldn't be in a position to um, inherit the revival that's coming. The journey of faith through which we inherit revival is a constant tension between the coming and the here now. Now, this woman's inquiry of Jesus was unique in the sense of she was a Samaritan. Okay, or she wasn't of the Jewish um, tradition. She wasn't a, a Jew. So the fact that she's having a conversation with the rabbi, okay, as they would have referred to him in those times, was quite unique. And Jesus had every right as a Jew to be like, no, 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 don't talk to me. Right? We see it in, in the other story of the is it Syrophoenician woman, where she comes up for healing and he's just like, listen... I'm here for the, for the children of God. You know, and she talks about you know, the crumbs that fall from the children's table. There we go again, crumbs. Yeah? To her, it's a full meal. She's like, okay, cool. I'm not in the full promise. I'm not, in, I'm not the one that you were sent to, but I can have a little something, can't I? So this woman's inquiry, what, what the Lord began to show me years ago was that when Jesus said it's coming, yet yeah, it's here now, he was able to suspend time for that brief moment of conversation and step into post-Calvary dispensation to have that conversation with her. Because what he's describing, that they would worship him in spirit and in truth, is a post-Calvary experience. They weren't able to do that before. And yet he's having a conversation with someone who he should not be having a conversation with about these wonderful things. So her faith was sufficient enough Okay, and her inquiry and the pursuit and the conversation was sufficient enough that he was able to suspend time for a moment and be both here and there. So the question to us is, are we willing to be the one who finds him on the hillside and goes past every possible offence and inconvenience 
to receive the heart of God. Because he says that this is, these, these type of worshippers are the ones that God is searching for. This is his heart. His heart is that they worship him in spirit and in truth. He's given this foreigner, okay, this Gentile, he's given her the good stuff. The disciples didn't hear this. The Sermon on the Mount, we had the whole Sermon on the Mount and none of those Jews, the Pharisees, Sadducees, whatever he's, you know, none of them, none of them received this good stuff. Who does he give the heart of God regarding worship to? A foreigner. Who finds him on the hillside and is able to convince him to suspend time to give him, to give her this wisdom. Will we be those people? Who even though it looks uncomfortable, even though it's inconvenient, even though there's a possibility that we might get offended when he says, not now, not now, and we have to come back around the other side. You know when the scripture talks about waiting on the Lord? I've said this before and I will maybe preach on it one day. Um, it speaks, the word there is a, is a ferocious word. It's a, it's a very active word. It's not a passive waiting. It's an ambition. Uh, when, when I first began to, to um, imbue that into my life, into my prayer work, I said, Lord, I'm waiting on you. And what do I mean by that, Lord? It's that whichever way you turn, you're going to see me. That's an ambush. Whichever way you turn, you're going to see me. And how? I'm just going to keep throwing praise your way. I'm going to keep throwing prayers your way. I'm going to keep throwing thanks your way. So if you ever take a moment to take a break, you're going to look around and, oh, there's my son again. Oh, what's happening now? I can hear him again. He's still going. He's still praying. He's still believing. He's still, he's still pursuing me. Even though... Even though there is every opportunity for offence and inconvenience... I'm going to chase him. I'm still going to wake up. I'm still going to pray and I'm still going to declare I'm the healer of the Lord. I know this to be true. Even though there is every opportunity to get offended, I'm going to find you on the hillside and I'm going to still come with my questions. I'm going to still come with my faith. I'm going to still come and touch the hem of your garment and I'm going to not let go until you bless me. Song of Solomon 2. Song of Solomon 2 verse 10. I just want a quick aside about the music and the message. Thank you, Father. And it says here, I say verse 10. My beloved speaks and says to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. Verse 12, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing of birds has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. A new song indicates a new moment. Okay. I would have said a new season, but as you know, I'm not really a fan of using the word season as I think that defines a beginning and end. But I do believe the Lord works from moment to moment, okay? Seeing that he's outside of time. So today's harvest is based on yesterday's seed. It's based, and we inherit today's song, this new song, this new moment, as the harvest of yesterday's struggles and tears, okay? 
I don't know if you sang Yahweh earlier, but there's a story behind Yahweh. There's a story behind Refuge. There's a story behind the song we sang last week, Prepare Place. There's a story behind the song Why Fear, okay? Why do I fear? What may come? Right, even that song. So um, I had two verses of that song, and that was it. Could not finish it. For every time I went back to that song, I was like, right, Lord, what's the next bit? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Blank sheet. Okay, it's not a writer's block. We don't have writer's block in the kingdom. Do you know why? Holy Spirit talks when he decides to talk. Yeah, it's not a writer's block, it's just waiting. Okay? That's a whole That's for the creatives, the poets and the writers in the room. No such thing as writer's block. It's just a comma in a conversation. I'll wait for the next line from you whenever you're ready. Um, anyway, what was I saying? Why fear? So I was there and I'm waiting, I'm waiting for this last line. And then I remember we planned to do it on a Sunday. This is back at the old school building. We planned to do it on a Sunday. And the Saturday night was a very, very, very taxing night. Okay, I won't go into details of what happened. I didn't get much sleep that night. Okay, there was stuff that happened and it meant that <clears throat> I was in a lot of internal turmoil, just all over the place. Things were going on. Things were going on. And he woke me up the next morning and he said, here's your third verse. Now, you guys don't know it, but there is a code in the third verse relating to the incident that happened on the Saturday night. Maybe one day I'll have the license to share it. I don't have it today. So every time I sing that song and I get to the third verse, I usually want you guys to sing it because I'll probably get emotional when I'm singing it as it is. But I know the struggle that birthed that song. So even though it sounds all happy and everyone's dancing and twirling and doing the sambo and whatever, <laughs> great, but you guys don't know. But there's a power. And when one person turns around and says, you know what, I was feeling really horrid when I walked in today, but when we did that third song, you know that, that samba song, it really picked me up. It's because the, the struggle, the tears, the 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 situation that I went through had birthed something, a seed which can be deposited in someone's life and then that could lead them into writing a whole book on the joy of the Lord. I don't know. So then, is it for me to despise the situation I went through? No, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. I wouldn't want to go through it. Again, I just wouldn't. But I did. And here we are. Again, there's a story behind Yahweh, a story behind Refuge, a story behind all these songs, okay? And these are songs we've written. That's why when we, we do our own songs, I say to you guys, this is our story. Okay, it's important for us to realise this is our story. This is a song birthed from this house. It is our story. Think back to some of the other songs, Walls of Jericho, Kenny, um, Atmospheres, um, Lucy. You know, all these songs that were carved and... and, and and written within this house is because they were part of a story. Something was happening, something was triggered, something was, was unlocked. And we were able to gather around it. And there's something that when we sing our own songs, which is why we try to do that as much as we can, because it's, it's connecting into the well of testimony, the well of faith, the well of tears, the well of prayer, the well of, of sacrifice, the well of inconvenience where it didn't seem like I was going to make it to church because there's a bit of an issue with, with the police and there's a car crash and all that stuff. But here I am. It's those tensions. It's the here is coming and it's also here. It's the I'm believing and I, I'm, Lord, I'm believing. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that I'm healed, yet my head is hurting. I get it. There is that tension. 
And that is the beauty of fighting the fight of faith. That is the beauty of living in this life, knowing that we're sowing seeds all along, even though we know there's going to be a period of dark silence before that seed comes through. And even when that seed comes through in its formative stages, it'll be battered and bruised and and pushed around by the wind. And we have to inspect the ground to make sure the ground is good enough to get the soil and the roots to go out. And and we could look at the whole biology of it, but, you know, we're there protecting it. I'm talking to the gardeners here because this is definitely not me. Um, you, You have to protect these plants as they grow. And I'm trying to get to a certain end point by next summer or whatever I need to, you know, I want some more tomatoes or whatever it is you're trying to grow. And I have to have that vision in my mind, even as I'm looking at it going, that doesn't look healthy. That doesn't look right. It should be green, looks a bit brown. Um, What's happened? Have I got too much of this pH? Have I got too much? All these things are are happening as we're tending to the garden, this revival in our midst. And and we'll make mistakes sometimes. We'll go along and say, ah, maybe that service could have gone better or, Maybe we went into a bit of the flesh there and uh, we should have maybe just stuck on this, this path. But God, the master gardener, I found it interesting that when he was resurrected, the first thing he was referred to as is a gardener. All right? What, okay. What had been restored? The access to the presence of God. Okay? It hadn't been restored to any other point in the Old Testament apart from Genesis 1. So he had restored, Christ in his sacrifice had restored access to the presence of God. Just like, if not more, you could maybe say, Genesis 1, the original garden, Eden. So the first time he is met, what does she say? Gardener. Now, yes, you got it wrong, whatever the case may be, but I find it interesting. I believe it's one of those Holy Spirit moments where he chuckles. He goes, <laughs> I wonder if they're going to catch that in 2023. That I am a gardener, that my whole purpose is to... Remember, we talked about this last time. The garden came before the man. Okay, so he formed this atmosphere and environment of, of absolute undiluted presence and then placed a man in it. In the same way, when he was in the tomb... And when he rose on that third day, he formed a garden. Now the garden's in our own hearts. And then a man is placed in it. The new man. Thank you, Father. The new man has been placed into this place of undiluted presence. By a gardener. The head gardener who would turn around and say, I see Cynthia as a seed for this generation. I'm going to plant her here. But he's not. He's not like me. He doesn't just plant and look away. <laughs> for however many years. You guys got to really see a picture of my garden to believe how bad I am at this. So, anyway. My wife forgives me. Um, <laughs> No barbecues at our house. <laughs> um, I planted Cynthia here. Okay, so now what do I do as, as the head gardener? This is, this is Jesus speaking. He gets on his gardening gloves and he begins to form and fashion the soil to make sure there's the right conditions for Cynthia to bloom. And then she starts to sprout through. 
you have that little burst of confidence where she comes forward and gives a song that she's heard. He says, great, because the more you begin to spout, the more strength you get. See, I, I believe it or not, I go to the gym and when I'm in the gym, I have to break the muscles in order to strengthen the muscles. So there's a breaking through of the ground every single time Cynthia goes, I've got one, and pops forward. Now you guys see it as, oh, it's been 10 years of her doing that, and surely she must be confident by now. We don't know, that's for her to tell, okay? She comes forward, she gives, and goes like, great, the muscle's being strengthened. That's an extra petal, that's an extra, the roots are now going out a bit deeper. So when the accuser of the brethren comes and says, Cynthia, that, nah, not this time. I think you've heard that one wrong. Her roots are so strong because the garden has placed her in this, this, these terms, these conditions, and her roots have gone so strong that she's able to go, shut up, right? <laughs> so she comes forward and she blesses us. How does she bless us? Those songs then provide, they go into the atmosphere, right? This wasn't even in my notes, but Cynthia's sitting there, so I can, I can take this. Her song hits the atmosphere, and all of a sudden people are getting free, they're, they're receiving from the anointing of that song. What's happening there? Her petals are spreading and you are finding refuge, you're finding answers, you're finding cover, you're finding protection under the petals that her anointing is beginning to, you understand? So now we have this thing just growing up in our midst and it's for us as a worship team to give her the right pH. I'm not gonna be sensitive, I'm not gonna be offended that oh, I didn't hear the word of the Lord this time, it was Cynthia again. I'm not going to be that type of worship master because if I was like that, that's bringing a negative imbalance to the pH of the soil. So I need to make sure that I keep, I need to make sure I keep my um, selfish ambition out of the way. I need to make sure I keep my insecurities and my idiosyncrasies out of the way so that the ground is right for the sprouting of this, this woman of God. And then there's another one and there's, there's a kid who gets visions. Oh, all right. So how do we do that? How do we as a church ensure that with the help of the Holy Spirit, the kid that has visions has the right pH. Okay, so maybe it's a case of, hey, when I open up to pray for the sermon, could you come and stand with me? Not because I want you to say anything, but I want you to get used to being here because the Lord's going to use you. Maybe it's that. Uh, maybe it's connecting you with this person. Do you know that she has dreams? And then us younger folk are looking at some of the older folk in the community and saying, right, how do I find shelter under your orange? Because I recognize your oak of righteousness in this moment. Okay, so case in point, there was a Saturday back in November, I think it was, where I was in intense pain. I'm telling you, I could not move out of my bed, right? And the one thing I wanted was to phone my mum. I hadn't phoned her before in that situation, but something said to me, I need her faith. Yeah. See, I've seen her faith. I've, <laughs> just I've seen it. Seen in action, I've seen mountains move. So this was a mountain that I myself in my strength, yes, I have some great sermons. Yes, there was an anointing in my life. There is no denying the call that is on my life. But in that moment, it was not me who could get the job done. I needed her. So I go to an oak and I find refuge under the anointing that that oak spreads. And she, for the next hour and a half, walks me through this journey to get me back to walking and get out of bed. You understand? I couldn't hear what the Lord wanted me to do in that time. I couldn't hear what the Lord wanted me to do in that time. My mum says to me, she says, Dave, I think you need to go play your piano. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the natural, <laughs> in the natural, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, 
in the, no, honestly, guys, in the natural, I was like this in bed. I could barely move. He says, come play your piano. I'm like, huh? I was thinking to myself, the thing is, my spirit said yes. My spirit said, yeah, yeah of course. Because my spirit was like, I, I think my spirit was going, duh, you're not hearing it yet. I'm trying to tell you, man. But she heard it. And she was right. So I said, okay, I will. I don't know how long it took me to get out of bed. Five minutes to get out of bed. I get out, set the keyboard up, turn it. Oh, you say out, do you? There we go. Exactly, I couldn't even set my keyboard up. I couldn't lift it, couldn't do anything like that. Denise had to set it up. Denise sets it up, turn it on. I go and play. And within moments, the affliction lifts. Now, I could get offended and be like, yeah, but Lord, you speak to me. Why didn't you tell me that? <laughs> and all of a sudden, the, the, the pH of the soil is off. And there is no sprouting. There is no miracle. There's no healing. There's no... <sighs> Thank you, Father. This is actually my last point, but it's a big point. Union... Union equals seed. Union equals seed. Luke, can we go to Luke 1, 34 to 35? Whew. Hopefully you can't hear that on the recording. Luke 1, <coughs> 34. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I have no intimacy with any man as a husband? Then the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a shining cloud. And so the Holy pure, sinless thing, offspring which shall be born of you, will be called the Son of God. Union is the only context for the exchange of seed and thus impregnation, conception and birth. Okay? So we want something to be birthed in our midst. The only context for it, throughout all the scripture and biologically, is union. There has to be a union. This is why it said Mary was overshadowed. What does that mean? She was completely taken over by Holy Spirit. Okay? And that then created the union that then led to impregnation, conception, and then obviously we know birth. So my question to you, Via heaven. If Christ himself was conceived by the overshadowing and the intimacy of the spirit, why would we assume that his purposes are conceived any other way? If Christ himself was conceived by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit and the intimacy of the Holy Spirit, then why would we assume his purposes are conceived any other way? Why would we think that in order to birth the Song of the Lord, we have to be 
X, Y, Z. Tick these boxes in the human level. In order to birth revival, it's because we need to have this caliber of musician, this caliber of this number of people in the room. Maybe we need to be in this type of location, etc., etc. It can't be a hot day in June. It has to be maybe a cold day in November. And we put all these terms and conditions around the plans and purposes of God when He's saying, "No. All I need is union. You need to find a way." To make sure there is absolutely no break between you and heaven so that I can then impregnate you with the plans and purposes that I have for you. And the only reason why some of us haven't seen the conception and the birth in of some of these things is because there has been a, not a rupture, but there has been a distance for some reason. There's been a breach in that link, that union that Holy Spirit is trying to bring. So he's trying to overshadow and yet something's getting in the way. Does this resonate with anyone? Yeah? So he's trying to overshadow, and something's getting in the way. And do you want to know what that something is? You could say it's us. Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Full stop. Okay? For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has delivered us, freed us from the law of sin and death. For God did what the law could not do, itself being weakened by the flesh. By sending his son in the guise of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, God deprived sin of its power in the flesh. Okay? The Amplified says, deprived it of its power over all who accept that sacrifice. Why? Why did he do that? So that the just and righteous requirement of the law may be fully met. Fully met. Right? In all those who live not according to the flesh, but live their life in the spirit. For those who live their life in the flesh set their minds on and seek to desire and to gratify the flesh. Those who live in the spirit, set their minds on and seek to gratify the desires of the spirit. So we have this, this separation here, okay? All of a sudden it's starting to come. The desires of the spirit, desires of the flesh. Next verse. Now the mind of the flesh is death. Right? The sense, the reasoning, the reason behind the flesh... Everything about it is death. And the mind of the spirit is life and it's peace. Right? Why? Because the flesh, the mind of the flesh, is carnal. It's in opposition to God. It cannot subject itself to God's law. It simply cannot. So anyone who walks according to the life in the flesh cannot please or satisfy God. They cannot be acceptable to him. But you, you are not those who live their life in the flesh. You are those who live your life in the spirit. If you allow the Holy Spirit to take up residence, to completely dwell inside of you and take control of you. For if any man doesn't have the spirit, if he doesn't possess the spirit, he is not his. He cannot be a child of God. But if Jesus lives on inside of you, if Jesus 
Christ lives in you. Even though your body may be subject to death because of sin and guilt, your spirit is alive because of the righteousness that he imputes into you. What's the next verse? Verse 11. And then if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you, even he who raised him from the dead is to surely be able to restore to life your mortal body because of the spirit that dwells inside of you. So then, therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, not to live according to the desires and dictates of the flesh, because if anyone lives according to the desires of the flesh, they will surely die. But those who live their life in the spirit will live forever. If you habitually are putting to death the evil desires of the body, you will surely live forever. And then we land here, this beautiful moment in the scripture where it says, for as many are led by the spirit of God, they shall be called sons of God. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. What's the next verse? Verse 15. For the spirit you've now received is not a spirit of slavery or bondage, in some translations it says, a spirit of fear. You have been given over to a spirit of adoption, wherefore in the bliss of this, you cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with your spirit that you are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, you are an heir and co-heir with Christ. Indeed, if you share in his suffering, that you may share in his glory. For I consider the present suffering of this time nothing compared to the glory which is about to be conferred upon us. For all creation is waiting the manifestation of sons of God. Let's work it backwards. All creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Because it's glory that gets conferred. What's the link between glory and sonship? John 1, it says, And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten Son of God. And then John said, sorry, Jesus says later on in John 17, The glory you've given me I now give to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. So, the link between glory and sonship, glory is oneness, oneness is union, and as we saw from the life of Mary, union produces sons. I'm going to say it one more time, because this blew my ever-living mind when I was walking at 6 o'clock in the morning on Thursday. <coughs> glory and oneness go hand in hand, John 17, 22, which means glory is synonymous for union, okay, that Christ and us be one. And out of union, as we saw in the life of Mary, is produced sons. That's why the scripture ends, or the passage ends with sonship. Because you have this glory being conferred upon us and the suffering is not compared to what's going to be conferred upon us. This union is going to be seen on us and what that union then does, it produces sons of God. Let's keep working backwards. Before we get to that glory and that union, there has to be a separation between the life of the flesh and the life of the spirit. There has to be a separation because until you have that, the Holy Spirit can't overshadow you Perfectly, can he? There will always be that something. Let's work even further backwards. How do we get to a point of a separation between life of the spirit and life of the flesh? Romans 8.1 Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The glory is union. 
The glory is conferred upon sons. Sons are birthed by the spirit. Spirit divorces us from the flesh. But this only comes after verse 1. Freedom from condemnation. Which is a byproduct. byproduct. Then condemnation is a byproduct of the sin nature that Christ has already dismissed. If you do not receive and live your life as one to whom verse 1 applies, you cannot inherit the promise of Romans 8. And we're here trying to manifest as sons of God because creation's waiting for us, but we haven't even got past the condemnation bit. And we're still living our life condemned. And if you're living your life as one who is condemned, the Holy Spirit is trying to overshadow you and he says, but there's still a bit of something in there that, that I, can't come, I can't come near. I can't, I can't breach that because I've already defeated it through Christ, but you're still holding on to it. And because you're still holding on to it, I can't get there. And so I can't overshadow you. And if I can't overshadow you, I can't impregnate you. And if I can't impregnate you, there can't be a son that creation's waiting for. When it says creation, it's the word cosmos which means the whole created order. Pick a star. Pick one. Look up, pick a star tonight. It's waiting for you. Pick a blade of grass. It's waiting for you. Pick an animal. Anywhere in the world, in the Serengeti and wherever. It's waiting for you. That rattlesnake... <laughs> waiting for you <laughs> it's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God that word there in the Greek I think it's the weos it's the mature sons of God it's those that have been revealed to be to inherit his sonship everything is waiting the whole order of creation is waiting for us to move past verse 1 So the Lord has been challenging me over the past six weeks to learn massive chunks of scripture. And he said to me, Romans 8, that was, I read Ephesians 1 first when Pastor Abby preached on it months ago and I stayed there for about three weeks. Just learning it, just line upon line upon line upon line. Oh, it's beautiful. I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> I started to hear about the Lord God who is the Father of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and the spiritual blessings he's blessed us with and it's like getting me excited about the fact I could be blameless before him and inside even above reproach. And I was on I was I was walking every morning just meditating on that. And then he took me somewhere else. And he said Romans eight three weeks ago. I'd already written most of this sermon. I didn't know why Romans eight meshed. I said, Lord, how much do I read? He said, read until I tell you to stop. Okay, how much do I memorise? Until I tell you to stop. So I'd read, I think it was the first four. I had that, and he said, right, now go a bit further. Next two. And I just, every single day, about 20 times a day, I'm just going over it, going over it, going over it. And this is where you had me stop. That creation manifests the sons of God. I was like, why? And on Thursday, I said, Lord, Romans 8 is not even in the sermon. What, <laughs> what on earth? And he goes, yes, it is. I said, where? He said, I want to birth, I want to give Commonwealth a seed, which means I need union. Okay? 
and I told you about Mary. I said, so what's the link? He said, what did Mary have that no other woman in, well, what, what does it say about Mary, about her as a, as a woman? What does it say? That she was a, a what? A virgin. What does that mean? That means that she had not had sexual intercourse, which means she had not been contaminated by the sin code that is within the seed of man. She was pure. God said, CCF need to find the purity of Mary. I said, well, how do they do that? He said, Romans 8.1. Until they believe that they are free from condemnation, because condemnation is within that sin code. He said, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get a community of people to stand before me with the purity of Mary. Because when they do, my Holy Spirit can overshadow. And then you'll be with child. So finally, and I'm telling you, it stops today. Every aspect of condemnation has got to go. Even if you don't know where it is in your life, it just got to go. It has got to go. Because as a community, as a family, as a church, we need to adopt what has already been given to us. And the thing is, we're not, this is not no, um, what they used to say about the faith, blab it and grab it. This is not one of them situations where you're just like, oh, I want a new promotion because, well, no, no, no. This is something that has been told to us. We already have in scripture. Can you bring out Romans 8 again, please? And the, ver- the first verse. I said this last week, but I just want to say it one more time. This bit here, who live in and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, if you study it out, was added by King James. That's why it's using italics. So where there's a comma, there's supposed to be a full stop. But we have lived our life as if there is a comma in this statement. That there is no condemnation, but there's terms of conditions on those who have no condemnation. They have to live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh. But are, and we're adding all this stuff into it. Or, we, or most of us know it as who are called according to his purpose. I'm like, well, maybe I'm not called according to his purpose, or maybe the way I'm living right now is not this, and it's not matching up. There's a tension because the things that I don't want to do, I'm doing it in Romans 7, yeah? And we're still living in Romans 7, and we're skipping over the promise of Romans 8. See, Romans 7 was never meant to be a, a description of the Christian life. It was meant to give you a pathway to show you the victory that Jesus has that we see in Romans 8. He says, yeah, I get all that, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus you are pure he said to me as I was walking he said Jesus came he said my son came to to remove sin and restore sonship he said but most people stop at just removing sin And therefore, they inherit a vacuum. And what does it say? Nature abhors a vacuum. They thus wrestle with the desires of the flesh without the victory that sonship affirms and authorizes. 
okay? So we're, we're, we're cool, we're okay with Jesus has removed and done away with all my sin. And there's no question. No one here who believes in him would turn around and say, oh, I'm still down that. You know, we're cool with that. And God said to me, yeah, we've moved past that bit. He's removed the sin issue. But we haven't adopted the sonship issue. So he removes sins and he restores sonship. That's why it says, all those who believe in him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. It was not enough for you just to stand here as someone who has no sins. You then have to be moved into a position of sonship because every time he calls me son, he affirms and he authorizes the victory that the removing of my sins has given me. So if I don't, Lord, give me utterance. If I don't adopt sonship as my, my, my life now and who I am, then I'm existing in this place where when the accuser comes and says, yeah, but really? I'm having a conversation with a snake. Instead of stepping on the snake's head. I'm having conversations with sickness instead of just, excuse my colloquialism, busting it up. <laughs> just, and I say this because in my times with her recently, obviously dealing with what I'm dealing with, the Lord has had me in this ferocious place. I'm, I'm walking, down, <laughs> walking down this road and the Lord has shown me where the source of all this stuff is, okay? And, and the um, spiritual entities which are trying to take me out. Cool. He showed me what they are, showed me where they are, gave him a name, cool, told me what to pray into and against. And so I'm walking down the street <laughs> and I'm just launching at them. I have never felt more David in my life. I have no sling. Oh, take that. Take that one. You know what? I've got another one for you. Take that. And I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I'm releasing these words. Why? Because I'm a son. I'm not just one coming out in the shadow of the cross like, I'm forgiven. No, no. Now, now I'm on the other side of the tomb and I'm going, okay, let me walk. Let me just, let me just flex a little bit. Let me, let me just see what this, this new thing does. Let me see what this armor does. Because you've told me I've got a sword in my hands. Let, let me swing it. Let me see how sharp it is. Oh, wow. Hey, that's, 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 I like that. I like that. And this is not me trying to big up myself and say that I'm, this is a journey I've been on. I wrote a book called Diary of the Man Called Son years ago. So this is not a, a new thing that I can turn around and say, oh, I've been living in this for forever. Guys, this is things I'm learning right now. So as a son, I couldn't take out Goliath as a sinner saved by grace. I have to go at Goliath as one who says, my God has delivered me from. Translate that into New Testament. My father has delivered me from lions, from bears, from all sorts of things. So you're just another sucker. So I'm going, I'm off flying things out their way, right? And then the question, because the accuser comes and says, that's nice, and that sounded good, but did, it, did any of those stones land? Because the next day I was in pain, the next day I was in pain, the next day daily I'm in pain. Great, cool. So then this week, something happened in a particular place where I know this route is. Something that most people wouldn't even notice. And as I walked out of the room, having heard what had happened, the Lord said, that was your stone. That was your prayer. I said, really? He said, yeah. I was like, okay. 
And you know what that makes me want to do? Find another stone. So now I'm like, I'm juggling them in my hand. I'm just waiting for the next opportunity to launch one. And now I'm asking questions. Instead of going, Lord, when will this be lifted? It's, Lord, how do I confirm that it's been lifted? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to celebrate? That's what we talk about now. We we no longer talk about the issue. It's, Lord, when this thing leaves, how do I tell people? Where's the proof? Because I know some people are going to want proof. I will know, but they're going to want proof, Lord. So now me and him are discussing how we're going to give you guys proof so everyone can celebrate and whatever. But the internal reality, like I said to him months ago, I do not doubt that you are going to heal me. Why? Because I'm your son. There is nothing physical about this. There's nothing natural about this. My confidence... It's because I am a son. Mm-hmm. My confidence that there will be a revival that breaks forth and that this church will play a part in it is because we are sons and daughters of the Most High. But the only way to adopt that is to leave the condemnation behind. Mm-hmm. Like I said, those who just stop at just the removing sin bit, they wrestle with the desires of the flesh without the victory that sonship affirms and authorizes. This struggle is what religion preached for thousands of years. And it's the message that God wants to eradicate. That, you, that somehow you would be able to wrestle and prove yourself victorious outside of yielding to the grace-imputed sonship that the cross provides. The lie of religion, especially here in the West, is that you could work harder. That you could do more. That you could pray more. You could fast more. You could do this, and in doing so, that would qualify you for X, Y, Z. We've established, in the courtyard of his presence, we've established these market stores, and we start trying to exchange human goods for money. You remember the story? What did Jesus do when he saw that? Came in with a whip. He hates the thought that you may be living your life thinking, Okay, to shift this thing, I'm going to have to do X, Y, Z. Instead of yielding to the sonship and saying, Lord, I still get these urges. I still want to do here. I still want to call this person. Still to cut me up on the road and I still want to say... But like it said, even though your flesh or your body is dead by virtue of sin and guilt, your spirit is alive because of the righteousness that's been imputed to it. And your spirit gets alive and when you're about to cast that sucker out (coughs) it says nope bless them bless you but then it becomes addictive to be that person who's different it becomes addictive to be that person in the board meeting who when everyone else is is going crazy bananas not knowing what to do you have the answer it becomes I I do this you know me I love to have fun at work I do this at work all the time. I see the panic. I had a meeting just two weeks ago um, and it was like, oh, how are we going to get this done? How are we going to get this done? And they came to me and I said, I've, I've got my bit. And it was so shocking to them. They came back to me around later on in the meeting and said, so Dave, so can we just make sure? No, it's fine. It's sorted, done. Why? Because it was an idea I got from the Holy Spirit. And now my non-believing colleagues who work in my team now I looked in a positive light. Oh, I love the way you guys have all sorted it out. Yeah, it was David's idea. And I can turn and say, yeah, it was God's idea. So they, I've got, an eight, I've got two atheists in my team. One Christian, two atheists. 
one who's just a bit all over the place. <laughs> don't, don't think they know what they believe. Um, <laughs> but it's fine. I don't need to go, Lord, give me a team of five power praying Christians and I need them, I need them to know how to fast because I can't do anything in this place without them. No, 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 no. All I need is sonship. Find me a son in a place and I can find you victory. Find me a son in a place and I can find you peace. Find me a son, why? Because Colossians 2, I think it is, says that we have the complete fullness of the Godhead on the inside of us, just like Jesus did. So if I walk into a situation, the complete fullness of the Godhead has now shown up, we get. This is how one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000. The numbers don't even work out. Has anyone ever tried to work out the math on that? It's a different kind of power, okay? <laughs> Literally. One to the power, whatever. You know, one could put a thousand, two, ten thousand. So how much? Three. So there's seven just here. How much about just that? We're getting into the millions now. <clears throat> but that demon won't listen to you. That situation, that mountain won't move if you're coming in like, but maybe I'm still... Maybe I'm still that person. Maybe I'm still. See, God, doesn't, God didn't want us ever to have a gap between the removal of our sins and the adoption of our sonship. That's why it says in Ephesians 4, 22, 23, 24, it says, take off the old man, right? Put him to death, slam him down, bury him. the David Powell translation. And in verse 24, it says, put on the new man, who is God-like in his design. How many of you pray that over yourselves? Today, Lord, I'm going to put on the new man and I know that this new man is God-like in design. Yes, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, but with this new mind, I can think as fast as you because you're going to speak to me in the moment and tell me exactly what I need to say. Yes, physically my body feels weak right now, but the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can quicken my mortal body, can restore to life. I pray that over every single cell in my brain. Be restored. Be restored. Be restored. Be restored. Be restored. Why? Because I'm a son. You have no right to be underneath this, this level that I'm setting. The level I'm setting, this is what the Lord showed me with this whole thing I'm going through. It was never about divine healing. It was about learning to live for divine health. Because that's what sons live in. He says, D, you've never believed me for your health. You believe me for healing, but you've never believed me for your health. Wow. He said, so learn that. Whilst we're on this journey, whilst you're knocking out Goliath, whilst you're getting your pebbles together, learn this. Because that's how a son thinks. The purity of Mary is bestowed upon us the moment we eradicate any condemnation from our lives. Never again doubt yourself based on anything happening in your past, anything happening in your present, anything that has been projected to happen in your future. Maybe you don't think you'll stick around long enough because there's a hereditary disease maybe in your family. And so you're worried about putting in plans for the next 25 years because you're already over 50, you're already over 60. And now you're thinking, maybe, maybe I won't last that long, so maybe I shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. It ends today. 
I have it on good authority, the only authority I subscribe to, it ends today. He's drawn a line in the sand. Not even the sand, the rock. <laughs> it ends today. No more condemnation. Enter into the life of the Spirit. And from the life of the Spirit, inherit glory and union. And from the union, birth. Sons that creation are waiting for. All of creation is waiting for the sons of God. And the sons of God need to be free from condemnation. That's why Romans 8.1 is in there. When I read it, every time I'm like, Lord, it just felt weird. Why was that verse in there? And you don't return to the theme. It's all linked. You can't have sons if you're living under condemnation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yeah, even now, Holy Spirit will begin to just reveal to you. Ask Him to reveal to you if there's any areas of condemnation where you're still burdened by that. Where the accuser of the brethren is able to step up and stand up and say stuff to you and you're still listening to him, you're still having conversations with him. Or maybe even worse, you're still agreeing with him. But let me tell you something, if that has been your story to this point, even then, there is no condemnation. We can just deal with it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Yeah, come on. Yeah, he's starting to move. I can... The Lord is here. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory. Yeah. The Lord has been giving us hints over the past few weeks. Two weeks ago in our worship, Denise stopped halfway through and said, the Lord is bringing freedom in his house. And then last week, the first thing we sang was from Romans 8, 1, that there was freedom. And then we sang about the Spirit of the Lord being here and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. All these things start to make sense now when you realise that in order to have the Spirit present, he has to first remove the condemnation out. So allow the Holy Spirit to sweep your temple to sweep your temple and get rid of that condemnation, get rid of the stain. The scripture says that Jesus took his blood, I think it's in the book of Hebrews, I think, and he went into the heavenly temple and had to clean the utensils with his blood. So if the heavenly temple had utensils that needed to be cleaned and so that the stain of betrayal and the stain of sin and the stain of the the fall of of Lucifer had to be dealt with and, and just 
eradicated, how much more so our own? Allow the blood and the revelation of the blood and what happened at Calvary. Just begin to meditate on that and allow the freedom that that brings to clean the utensils of your temple, to clean the sanctuary. Thank you, Father. Glory be to your name. Glory be to your name. Glory be to your name. Right, about two, maybe ten days ago, the Lord said to me, he said, on the 18th, you know, when you reach the end of your sermon, this is before I knew how we were going to end, he kept showing me these pictures of us praying for people. And I want to be very clear, the reason why is not so that any one person be exalted and glorified in the natural. It is not to say, you need help, X, Y, Z. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's because he desperately wants this to be the last day. He wants this thing to be broken. I felt his passion. I felt his passion at desiring to have this thing snapped off you, broken off you, and for this yoke never to come upon you again. Let me change the pronouns there. Never to come upon us again. Because it's us as a community. And in this final move before the spirit begins to overshadow us with even greater intensity than ever before, he just wants to just clean house and remove the stain of condemnation so that the ground is ready for the seed to be placed in. And as the seed is placed in, something will be birthed. Call it what you want, garden revival, move of God, the Tadamah. Something will be birthed. And it will be of him, 100%. So, I don't need anyone to come to the front. I mean, if you want to, you can come front, kneel, or whatever. But if you do feel like you just want someone just to pray with you, to shift this condemnation thing, or maybe there's something that's coming to mind, you're like, I just need a bit of answers or expertise or whatever, please feel free to raise your hand. We will pray, we will pray as a collective. I think it's important to spend some time in prayer. But if that is you, and then maybe if some of the leaders can just, you know, move around and, and pray with people, or guys, just if you see someone around you, just start praying. You're all anointed. Every single one of you, the Spirit of the Lord is upon every single one of you. Let's pray. Yeah, I can feel it. He's here. Let's go. Absolutely no condemnation. Jesus be magnified. 
Jesus be magnified. Jesus be magnified. Father, we thank you for these individuals who've raised their hand, Father God, those who boldly are saying that they want to make this shift. To step into the freedom that you have on offer. Hallelujah. You are justified. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a son, you are a daughter. No weapon formed against you can prosper. Mm, mm, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. If you feel led, please pray in tongues. If you pray aloud, just let's charge this room. Let's welcome Holy Spirit. More of His power, more of His affirmation. Burdens lifted, yokes broken, burdens lifted, burdens lifted, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Yeah, come on. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory, glory, Freedom, freedom, freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Shanta 
Powerful, powerful, powerful. Thank you, Father. Can I just share share this quickly and we'll continue praying. But Dave just came up and made a great point and the Lord just expand on it. It is no coincidence that today is Father's Day. It's absolutely no coincidence that today is Father's Day. And I don't know about you, but I believe the Lord is saying that every single one of us, but especially those who are believing today to move past this condemnation, we should mark the dates. Mark the date. Father's Day, 2023. It ends... Your life as a Christian, living your life as an orphan, wondering who will sponsor your endeavours. Wondering, this is what the orphan spirit is about. You live your life wondering who is going to provide, who is going to come through for me. You look to one person, yet you believe that they may change their mind or they may let you down one more time. And even you've related to the father, even though, yes, you call him father, and I don't want to be one of those guys oh, because of your relationship with your natural father. If that applies, it applies. But as they call upon him, still wonder if he'll really come through. Yeah. And it's not because they doubt his ability. It's because they doubt their capacity within themselves. Yeah. And you think that one more failure or one more turn, one more doubt is a tipping edge. You think that he is angry. You think that he has got it in for you. You think that the things that you've had to go through was all, all a part of this twisted theology of, of suffering that we've adopted here in the West. So today is the day where the Father's affirmation is on offer. And from this point on, he calls you son. He calls you daughter. And you need to know that is the highest title that can be conferred upon anyone. Okay? guys let's pray father we come against any of these inner vows that have been made that stand in direct opposition to you as father in our lives father right now we allow the power of your spirit and we receive the power of your spirit to come into play right now to smash that yoke to lift that burden in the name of jesus ah father i thank you for restoring childlike innocence that we have struggled to believe because we have wrapped it in, in our adult experience and our adult logic. But Father God, you are right now undoing those vows which have blocked your blessings, which have blocked your, um, 
influence in our life as a father and you are restoring the childlike faith with, with, that, that will move mountains, Father God. The childlike faith that will give us the confidence to look to you and dare to call you Father. To dare to call you Father, Father God. It says in the scripture that you testify of our spirit that we are your child. Yes. So we welcome the testimony of the Holy Spirit right now. I don't know, whoever this might apply to, if this applies to you, just place your hands over your ears. I keep getting this heat on my ears because I know there have been words that have been spoken to you that have kept you. Uh, words that have been spoken to you that has kept you in a place of insecurity, kept you in a place of, of, of relying on yourself and not relying on him. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we just unblock those ears that they may hear the word of the Lord afresh today and every single day that there be a daily manner for those uh, for those who need it father god a daily affirmation of your love and your your, <coughs> your yeah your desire to welcome them as a son some of us have identified as prodigal sons but the lord is saying right now in the name of Jesus, there is no more prodigal son the story ended up with the son in the bosom of the father so we thank you, Father God, that all these who have been identifying themselves as prodigal, Father God, every single one of them, that they have now been placed and found in the bosom of the Father. They are no longer lost, they are found. They are no longer blind, they now see. And if that be the case, Father God, you have now raised them and, and celebrated them. You, you, you give them so much joy, it brings you so much joy. Yeah, we just cut that prodigal spirit right now in the name of Jesus. Never again. Even this church itself, as we've wondered, we are not prodigal. We we have a home. And our home is the bosom of the Father. Our home is in the bosom of the Father where he will place upon us a robe and give us a new ring in the name of Jesus because we are his son, we are his child. Yes, there may have been mistakes in the past. Yes, there may have been twists and turns. Yes, we may not have always got it right. But now we welcome the freedom. We welcome the freedom of your, of your presence, Father God. We thank you that you welcome us in. There is therefore now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. You're doing a deep work. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Remember in Ezekiel 36, I think it says, and I will take your old heart, your stony heart, and I'll give you a new heart. Denise has sent me a message saying that. She's got an image, she saw an image of those old ears being cut off and new ears coming. Just like Jesus did when he was in that garden when the man's ear was cut off by the zeal of a disciple that Jesus can come and say yeah, thank you Father, thank you, thank you a lot of this, some of this may have happened in church that there have been previous fathers who have abused you 
have, have just sought to use you and to bring you um, to a place of barrenness. Previous fathers you've sat under, previous people you've sat under or listened to in the faith who have released words, have released words that have hindered your progress. The Lord says today, I'm cutting off those old ears. And today in this garden, I'm going to give you a new one. A new say is, so you can hear, you can hear better than you can ever hear before. Hear ye the word of your father. I thought of a friend who's not stepped back in church because she's experienced so much hurt, but actually we need to be able to minister to those in a way that they can hear it. That it doesn't matter you've made that vow. You can return to God. You know, it's not about the leaders, but we have to understand that there are people like that out there who have given up on church. And God is saying, but you can't minister to them unless you yourself understand sonship. Romans 5, 1. It says, therefore... Since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So now that we are free from condemnation, what happens next? How do we live our lives next? Since we are justified, since that we are now moved past condemnation, we're in this freedom, now it's for us to grasp the fact that we have reconciliation, that we have peace with God. It is okay between you and heaven. And the accuser will turn up at some point. And he will try to bring back certain mentalities, certain thoughts, certain patterns of behavior. It is for you to turn around and say, I am a child of God. And if that's all you've got right now, if that's the only line you can remember, I am a child of God. That's not me. Remember we talked about family business. It's not what I do. It's not who I am. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Any other scriptures anyone else can help us out with? No, seriously. People may need it. So got let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come by the blood of Jesus. Whatever testimonies, whatever confessions would you have? Yeah? Blood of Jesus is the most potent. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We're helping each other, guys. Iron sharpens iron. We're giving people language to speak when the accuser shows up. The more than conquerors. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I'm weak. He's strong. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> it's a personal favourite right now. <laughs> Say again. The better speaks. The blood speaks a better word, a better promise. A more excellent promise, I believe, one of the translation says. Yeah, we're all under the blood of the Lamb. Amen. So, you know, David, um, a couple of 
weeks ago. I'm just thinking how the Lord is just doing his work in, in our church. And he kicked off with worship. Hmm. And, and we've had snippets, haven't we? It's exactly what you were saying earlier. And, and how to maintain a humble and contrite spirit. To kind of, because I was sitting there thinking, Lord, you know, is there any area? And I rather hope we all did that. All of us in here actually pondered if there's any area we still feel condemned about. Because we never know. Mm. The Holy Spirit will bring it to your forefront and you, you, can, you can forget it. But I had this dream. I did share with the intercessors. And it was a child wearing a school uniform. And the Bible was in front of the child. And this child was using her finger and saying very much, they say this but they do not actually believe it. Mm. And that was it. I woke up. And I understood that. To me, too, we have to really believe the word of God like a child because our intellect will kick in at times just, just the way it is. That's why we have to be not carnal but spirit-led. But I really feel the Lord is saying to us, some of us would be, oh no, that's not me, that's for other people. There's actually, there's a lot of things that we say, and I only did work myself because we're confessing words. But we have to believe it. Mm. It's not enough to just confess it. It's the believing that releases the power and heaven's backing. Because the word of God is anointed, isn't it? So if we release it in faith, we have to do what it's set out to do. Yeah. And I think that's what the Lord was saying to us. And I just wanted to say, yes, let's read. And they said, Lord, help my unbelief sometimes if that's not the case. And just, just on that, um, oh, we were talking about it last night at home. Um, worship, what worship does is suspends and it blocks out everything else. Okay? So in life, there's moments where you have doubts, the moment you have you know, struggles, whatever. But when worship is done right, which it is most, well, every week this, in this church, when worship is done right, it gives people the opportunity to push all the rubbish stuff out where it should be. And then what it does, it releases a revelation. Now, for different people, it could be different things at the same time. So it could be over here, it's a revelation of him as father. It could be here, a revelation of him as provider, whatever. As long as it is a revelation. And as that revelation is then made known... Your faith connects to it, doesn't it? You then go, yes, he is my provider. Yes, he is my father. Now, sometimes that manifests in tears, sometimes it manifests in silence, sometimes it manifests in a run around the building. Whichever way it manifests. But what happens is we leave church and the things that we push to the side, we let go of the revelation that we got an hour ago. And as we're driving down past Clapham Junction, those bills start to become bigger. <laughs> we forget that we were holding on to his Majira, and we go, ah. and then we're back. Okay? So the challenge is this is why um, Paul in Romans 12 said, now, in view of God's mercies, offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is a reason why I have to worship. He talked about everything being given over to worship. Because the more that everything is given over in worship, the more these revelations you can't let go. 
if everything I have is devoted to worship, I don't ever let go of these revelations. So when I'm driving past Clapham Junction and I get that text from DVLA or whatever, <laughs> reminds you to pay that speeding fine. Whereas, and it comes back round and it goes, vroom, and I'm tempted to now have a conversation with it. I'm going, Jaira, 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 Jaira. And the same way you received him is the same way you walk in him. How did you receive him? By faith, through grace. Through grace, through, by faith. Whichever way around it is, in Ephesians, you can, guys can read it. That's how you walk in him. So, like I said earlier, none of us would doubt that we are saved. None of us would doubt that what he did on the cross took place, that he, you know, he raised from the dead. That's the same level of faith that you need to have in him as a father, as a comforter as a counsellor, as an advocate. Mm. Yeah, I'd just like to share um, something that I read in the week. Can you use the mic? Um, mic. Yeah, actually. That one's on. So, it's in Romans, Corinthians, chapter, um, 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. And it's where Paul says, So then, we are always full of good and hopeful and confident courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are brought from the home with the Lord that is promised with us. For we walk by faith, we regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction, uh, belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, not by sight or appearance. And when I read that earlier this week, um, obviously we've heard particularly verse 7 a lot of times, but I thought Paul was saying, you know, we are always full of good and hopeful and confident courage. I was like, I've never really seen that before. I was like, what, what is this? Um, we know that while we're at home, we're in the body, we're away from the Lord. Um, and previously in the chapter, he's talking about that tension that we're here, but we want to be in heaven, but we have this body and we're in this tent. But he's like, we're full of good and hopeful and confident courage. We know while we're at home in the body, we're away from God, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And it's like, Sometimes we know that scripture, we just take it out of context. But when you read it in the context, he's saying we can be full of hope. We can be full of confident courage. And as Tina and David were just talking about that faith, um, yeah, it just reminded me of that. And sometimes, you know, even as I was pondering over this just now, the Lord says we get condemned because of what we see, you know. And he understands that, yes, we see with our natural eyes and even this week we might see things but it's like he's saying to us walk by faith you're walking by faith and um last thing earlier in the week when i read this scripture he gave me um an image of you know the matrix i know most of you may have seen the matrix where the main character is up in wherever he is but he's actually in the matrix but he's on a and it's like that's how we are you know we have peace with heaven that our lives are actually hidden in christ but we're in this world at the same time and so just see yourself as Keanu, Keanu Reeves we're walking by faith in this matrix that that is the world and sometimes there's a glitch or sometimes you know we get distracted by what we see but actually we need to walk by faith in reality we're in heaven so even if um, sight feels like it's distracting you this week just know that God's encouraging you to walk by faith Yeah. 
real quick. Yeah. It was challenging, and um, exactly what Deb was just saying. Um, so, on my birthday on Friday, uh, it was I was feeling quite low, and under a bit of condemnation. And I just remember early on, early on in the week, I was on Bobby's prayer, and the Lord just spoke to me, and He was like, "I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you at all." I'm not accusing you. And on Friday, um, I was told, I was asked to no longer come into the job I was working at. Um, apparently, the uh, little child I was working with, they felt it, it wasn't working. And, well, let's just say, I started thinking a lot of things about myself. It wasn't really coming from me. Um, another job what have I done this time am I just not capable blah 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 and in the mid middle of all of it the Lord was just saying I just felt uh, you never know um, don't feel down I'm with you um, you know don't look at the situation look at me but it was it was a struggle and it was hard so I got home and I spoke to my agency. Turns out, you know, my rent is due in two days time or three days time. <laughs> what am I going to do? And I spoke to my agency and they were like, well, you know what? We've got another job for you. You can start it immediately on Monday. I said a school that's even closer to where you are. And this time it's a Church of England school, so you might actually like it. And <laughs> 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 that's the enemy telling me, oh, you're a loser, you lost this one. You lost this one, you're a loser, you're such a loser, you know. I just thank God, you know. I'm just going to hold on. I was thinking this morning as I was setting up, you know, I see enemy was saying you're a loser because you lost that one, you know. And I remember the one before that. And the song just burst out, you know. I am a winner, hallelujah. <laughs> and I've got the victory, hallelujah. So I just wanted to share that. God is good. God is good. Right. I think nobody can I think this is the final thing. Um, it's no coincidence that we end up here in faith. After everything that's been discussed, after the, after the freedom that's hit the house, it's no coincidence that we end up now in faith. Because slaves work, sons believe. Slaves work, sons believe. That's why it took 40 years for the Israelites to get around and get into the wilderness. Because when they first arrived, they still had the mentality of slaves. So when they saw giants, a slave turns around and says, I can't defeat a giant. I'm like a grasshopper in the giant's eyes. So it took 40 years, 40 years for the Lord to rewire their thinking so that when they arrived back against the same giants who were now living behind walled cities with walls thicker than, thick enough to drive a chariot on top. And then God says, walk around in silence for six days on the seventh day. You know, he gives the whole instruction. A slave would see that as work. The son just believes. So the son goes, okay, 
Alright. He said to walk. I'm going to walk. So they walked. And then they walked. And then they walked. Total silence. And on the seventh day, seven times, and then a shout. Now, many people think it was the shout that brought down the walls. But it was seven days of faith. Like I said, you don't initiate revival, you inherit. There are walls that are set to be tumbling, okay? There are walls that will tumble in the next few months when we get a building. In the next year or so, as the church begins to expand. Five years as the community things start to launch, the projects for the women, for businesses, all that stuff. As you think, there are walls that currently are arrayed against us in this land of promise that we're going to have to learn how to take out. But as each one comes down, remember it's because of the weeks and weeks and weeks and hours of silence as the seed was in the ground. So Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have taken your divine, divine hand, divine finger, and taken to the weeds of our heart, the weeds that have been thrown up by condemnation, guilt, shame, and insecurity over the years. And that, Lord, even though this process sometimes can be painful, we understand the great benefit. Because on the other side of this is freedom. And if there be freedom, there's also purity. And if there be purity, there's union. If there is union, there is seed. Father, we are ready to be impregnated with the purposes of God, even more so than before. But not only to be impregnated, but to conceive and to bring to full term your plans and your promises for us as a community, as families, as individuals. But looking ahead, Father God, outside of these four walls into the community that we live in, that we worship in, the building that we inherit, Thank you, Father. We thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that from the jump you were ready to do this work. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And we say yes to a life free from condemnation as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thank you, Father. But even now you're declaring it is done. It's finished. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you didn't come to condemn. That's what you yourself said. So why would we? Why would we condemn ourselves? And so, yeah, yes to freedom, yes to joy, yes to peace, yes to every single promise in Scripture. Yes to revival, yes to purity, yes Yes, yes, and amen. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 